Turning your Bibles for our, to our uh, New Covenant text, 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2. And uh, I would like, uh, I know the, the scripture says, uh, the uh, bulletin says we'll begin reading later, but I want to begin with, with the first verse, of, just so you have the context. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 1. Now we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, that you may not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as if from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. Do you not remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things? And you know what restrains him now, so that in his time he may be revealed. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then that lawless one will be revealed from the Lord, will be revealed whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. That is, the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders and with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. And for this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so they might believe what is false, in order that they all may be judged who did not believe the truth but took pleasure in wickedness. But we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, Beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. And it was for this he called you through our gospel, that you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brethren, stand firm and hold the tradition which you were taught, whether by word of mouth or by letter from us. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who has loved us and given us eternal comfort and good hope by grace, comfort and strengthen your hearts in every good word and work. Thus far the reading of God's word. Let's pray just briefly. Again, Father, we pray that you will take from us every thought and every distraction. There are many things that are pressing upon us. There are the the duties that we have and there are the, the fears and the distractions of life. We pray now, Father, that you would focus our attention upon your word as you speak to us, and that you will keep me from going beyond your word or detracting from it, that you would send forth your word and the power of your spirit, for we can do nothing apart from you. And so, Lord, we pray that you would hear our prayers. May the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, and build up your people, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As I said, it's good to be with you today. I have been uh, struck as, uh, as your elder was praying this morning, thinking about uh, uh, how strange things uh, have become in our land. And you think, well, it really can't get any weirder. And it does. Uh, I've, been, I've been thinking a lot about that and uh, uh, reading uh, some secular ideas. And they talk about this uh, notion, I don't know whether you've heard the term or not, but uh, mass formation psychosis, uh, that is that uh, there is uh, something that is formed by propaganda that you can actually move a population uh, so that they become uh, basically uh, insane and uh, believing uh, what is impossible to believe. And um, as I was thinking about that, I, I think that like uh, so many uh, psychological things, Uh, They analyze the problem, but they don't really understand the reasons for it or the solution to it. So that's why I wanted to have read for you this morning uh, the passage from 2 Kings. How is it that that Israel could believe 
the false prophets. How is it that we have come to believe the false prophets? In, in my lifetime, I'm 74 years old, I have never experienced such contempt for truth and just dismissing it as if it's simply non-existent, that we just make up our own truth. And as I was thinking about this, and I got this from, uh, I got my title from this, uh, I was thinking about what happens uh, in aviation. I looked it up. I'm not an aviator myself. I've always been fascinated by it. But there's such a thing as a graveyard spin or spiral, or it's also called a death spiral, which in the definition that I looked up is, quote, an inescapable winding descent of an airplane that leads to a crash. It's also used in the uh, metaphorical sense of uh, when things are, are going wrong and there's no recovery from it. We're in a death spiral. It can be initiated without awareness on the part of the pilot. It develops into ever more radical destructive behavior by the aircraft. In one study, uh, it took eight seconds from the time that the spiral began uh, to the structural breakup of the aircraft. Eight seconds. And yet, at the same time, it can be corrected by a simple maneuver uh, early in the spiral. Well, I think that's kind of where we are culturally. Uh, Unless we take actions quickly, uh, we are in a death spiral. I don't know how far we are from that. In, In the passage this morning, I want you to see that the Lord warns us of these very things in, in Second Thessalonians. Remember, uh, this is not written to unbelievers. This is written to the church. This is written to us. We have many promises in the scripture. Uh, here we have a warning, and that's not unusual. The Lord often warns his people. We're not immune to these things. The doctrine or the context here is this widespread apostasy Um, I'm not going to uh, explain it. I'm simply going to tell you there are reasons some people, most people, many people think this has to do with the apostasy at the end of the age, just before the coming of Christ. I I believe uh, that rather this is speaking of that apostasy of the Jews leading up to the destruction of Jerusalem. And uh, I'm not going to explain that now, except simply to point out to you that the Apostle Paul is writing to something they know about. He says, I've written to you about these things. And the whole uh, context of Second Thessalonians is he's telling them, uh, don't fall for this because I've given you everything that you need. You know what's restraining him right now. Uh, suffice it for that. So no matter what your view of this passage is, I just want you to understand that what's happening here was that there was this widespread apostasy among the covenant people of God who had been given the word of God And he's telling the Thessalonian believers, you watch out, because if you aren't careful, you'll enter the death spiral that the Jews have entered into, that they didn't recover from, uh, that they were destroyed and cast off from the presence of the Lord. Well, what can we learn? I I, I want to focus uh, on uh, the the 10th verse through the end uh, of the chapter. Notice here, as we read this uh, again, that... This one will come with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish. (coughs) Listen to this. Because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. And then he goes on in verse 11 and says, And for this reason, because they would not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. For this reason... God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they might believe what is false in order that they all may be judged who did not believe the truth but took pleasure in wickedness. There's a penalty for not believing the truth. So just several things that I want to point out to you this morning. First of all, you have the responsibility to believe the truth. Now, I wish I didn't have to say that. It used to be obvious that people would pursue truth, and wherever the truth would lie, that would influence the way they thought and the way they lived. Uh, Brothers and sisters, we no longer live in a culture 
that believes that there is such a thing as truth. And that what you may believe to be true um, is not necessary for me to believe what is true. Everyone has their own truth. I didn't watch the whole thing, but I watched an excerpt from uh, Matt Walsh's uh, video, uh, What is a Woman? He's speaking with a college professor. Uh, isn't it strange? <laughs> my, my children, when they were small, knew what a woman was, and we can't figure it out today. But interviewing a professor, and, and um, the professor got all upset because Matt Walsh kept on insisting on finding out the truth. And he says, that offends me. I'm going to end this interview right now. If you keep on insisting on truth, it offends me. Isn't that a strange thing? But this professor is not alone, brothers and sisters. We have a responsibility, first of all, to believe in the existence of objective truth. It should be obvious. The fact that it needs to be addressed demonstrates just how far we have fallen as a culture, and remember why we have fallen this way, because we did not receive the love of the truth. So you have an obligation to believe the truth. If you don't want to enter into this death spiral, then you'd better apply yourself to the truth of God's word and the truth that is in Christ himself. Proverbs says, buy truth, do not sell it, get wisdom and instruction and understanding. Do whatever you can to get hold of of truth. You need to believe in the existence of objective truth. That is, truth that is there no matter whether anyone believes it or not, objective truth is out there. Ahab was confronted with the truth. He chose to believe the lie. And it was a lie that was believed by everyone around him. I mean, here you had the, all the prophets of of uh, north, the northern kingdom, and one prophet came up with something different, and they said, no, no, the experts say we're going to succeed. Micaiah was by himself. But you see, Micaiah was the one who brought the objective truth. Truth is not a human creation. It's not something the creature makes for himself. It's not my truth and your truth. It is the truth that stands objectively whether, no matter what our opinion of it may be. Today we have come to the consistent um, application of what Adam and Eve embraced in their fall. The promise was, or the, uh, the false promise of Satan was, you'll become gods determining good and evil. You can have your own truth. You can you don't need the objective revelation of God. You don't even need God himself. You can create your own truth. And so if I'm confused about my sexual identity as a man, I can simply choose to believe I'm a woman, and you'd better believe. Isn't it interesting how uh, those who will not receive the love of the truth insist that you embrace their truth, at least to, which is not a true truth at all. But you see how far we have come. We create our own reality. Truth is not altered by our perception. Uh, you have heard it, and uh, to a degree, I, I will embrace this, but you've heard it said, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. I want to tell you that's wrong. God said it. That settles it. You understand? It does not matter whether you or I or anyone else believes it. God, who is truth, speaks, and that stands objectively. And this is a warning again to the church. He's speaking to us. And ultimately, I hope you understand that truth is not just some notion out there that, that abides objectively, by itself stands, although it is that, it is a proposition, truth can be a proposition, but truth is a person. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And here's the essence of it. 
if we will not receive the love of the Lord Jesus Christ as the truth, then we are susceptible to believing anything. Because the beginning of knowledge is what? The fear of the Lord. The beginning of wisdom is what? The fear of the Lord. Who is the Lord? The one who reveals the triune God to us. It is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And so the truth that you must believe is the truth that is revealed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And that includes that we cannot even understand the truth apart from Christ. Everything becomes a lie apart from the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And God's word is truth. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. The gospel is truth. That we are all sinners. That we have depraved minds. That we are given over to believe the lie. We walk in darkness. We make our own reality. And yet, we cannot stand against the truth that stands objectively in Christ. And so refusing to embrace the truth is a reflection of our hatred of God. Please understand this. That it is not ignorance that causes people to reject the truth. It is rebellion. It's rebellion. It is not that we don't know the truth. Romans chapter 1 tells us again and again, we know the truth. It's revealed to us. It's inescapable. And yet, what do we do? We suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Now, in order to suppress something, you have to have it. We suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And so refusing to embrace the truth is a reflection of our hatred and rebellion against God. This was the particular sin of the unbelieving Jews about whom the Apostle Paul is writing in 2 Thessalonians. What was it that caused Israel to be cast off? They had the Old Covenant. They had the prophets. They had all this of which Jesus said, Search the scriptures, for they speak of me. And the Jews had all of these things, and here they had the promised Messiah right in front of them, all the works that he did, the mighty miracles, the resurrection, the proclamation of the truth to them, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. And they did not receive the love of the truth. And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light. You, you see that? Fallen men, we in our fallenness prefer darkness to light. We refer, prefer death to life. And I can't help but think about the Jews again in, uh, in, uh, in, the, in the time when the, uh, the Lord Jesus was brought before them. Behold, the king of the Jews, Pilate said, and what did they say? We want Barabbas. We want the murderer. You see the hatred of the truth. And you see because of that, refusing to embrace the truth warrants our damnation. And so what we see here is what it's, what it's telling us here in verse, uh, verse 10 uh, again that because they, and he comes with all the deception and, and of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. In other words, what are you saying here? That there are going to be things that, uh, that appear to be, uh, to be real because of lying signs and wonders. And, and the Apostle Paul is saying, don't believe any of it. It's, simp- it's simply the power of Satan deceiving you and you will fall for it. But it's for those who perish, those who did not receive the truth. Men are not at liberty to create our own realities or to determine autonomously, that is, self-governingly by ourselves, what is right and wrong, what is good and evil, what is true and false. And as we've already said, it's not a result of ignorance, but it is rebellion itself. So what, uh, what happens then, Well, that's the responsibility that we have to believe the truth. 
But what happens to a person, an individual, a church, a community, a nation, a culture that rejects the truth? Well, rejecting the truth inevitably results in believing what? The lie. If you reject the truth, what's left? If you reject the one who is the way, the truth, and the life, what's left except to believe the lie? The lie that Satan told to Adam and Eve. In Proverbs 17 and verse 4, and I can't quote it, I should have it memorized, but I don't, but basically it says that a a liar is not only one who tells lies, but one who believes lies. Because we're liars, we lie to ourselves, we believe the things that are told to us, no matter how unreasonable they may be. I've used this before, but uh, in... um, in Alice in Wonderland, uh, there's a wonderful, uh, what's the word, passage in there about Alice's encounter with the Queen of Hearts. And Alice said, one can't believe in impossible things. To which the Queen of Hearts responds, I dare say you haven't had much practice. Why, when I was your age, I always did it for half an hour a day. Why, sometimes I believed as many as six impossible things before breakfast. Don't you kind of find that resonating with you today? That we have this amazing capacity Uh, to believe six impossible things before breakfast, and I think people have to work at it. I heard somebody say, I think it was uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn uh, speaking about uh, the propaganda of the the Soviet Union, um, said this, and I think it applies to us today with regard to uh, what we believe as a culture with men who are are notorious liars. Uh, They know that they're lying, We know that they're lying. They know that we know that they're lying. And they know that we know that they know that they are lying. But they go ahead and lie anyway. And the amazing thing is that people continue to believe their lies. I don't know whether you... I don't know whether you saw it or not, but I was absolutely astounded when when Dr. Fauci said that he never advocated for lockdowns. I know. And if you go online, you will have people saying he never advocated for lockdowns. They know they're lying. We know they're lying. They know that we know that they are lying. We know that they know that we know that they are lying. They continue to lie, and we continue to believe them. How do you explain that? Because they would not receive the knowledge or the love of the truth. Now, please understand that faith is inescapable. All men believe something. All men have an ultimate authority. So when people reject the Christian faith and say, and they make this false false dichotomy, Well, we believe the science, you have faith, and we have science, we have facts. Please understand, when somebody says, we believe the science, they're just proclaiming who their God is. It's all they're telling you. It's not the God of the universe who created all things that makes true science possible. They are saying, we believe what men in rebellion oftentimes to the word of God interpret as the truth, which changes all the time. They're simply declaring who their God is. All men have an ultimate authority. All men embrace their ultimate authority by faith. There's no higher authority to which they may appeal. And the great divide here is not faith, the act of faith. It is the object of faith. We believe God and his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, by the power of his Spirit, or we believe the Father of lies. Those are your options, beloved. There's no middle ground here. 
Remember, and I keep bringing this up, he's writing to the church. He's writing to us. We are not to be caught up, not embracing the truth inevitably results in believing the lie. And rejecting the truth leaves the lie as the only option. Isn't that what the Apostle Paul said with regard to the resurrection? If Christ is not raised, then we're made liars. And we're of all men most miserable. If the word of God is not true, then we as believers are the most miserable people on the face of the earth. But if the gospel is true, those outside and those who believe the lie are the most miserable people on the face of the earth. There are all kinds of variations of the lie, but in them all, falsehood is the unifying factor. And so rejecting the truth introduces a progressive disposition to believe the lie. I hope you understand that the massive deception that embraces our culture, and it's not just the United States, it's all around the world, did not begin in 2020 or 2019. It began long before that. Satan does not initially confront us with the, uh, with the nonsense and the unreasonableness. It all begins with the beginning. You don't need Jesus to live. You don't need the word of God. You can do it yourself. And we've been doing that for many, many years as a culture. The lie is that you can live apart from Christ. We have spent... Years in, uh, in the United States, uh, in our educational system, teaching people how to make a living. And we have not taught them how to live. And the biggest lie that we are seeing is not just the obvious things that are taking place, which I think are horrendous. The, the notion of... Uh, of cultural Marxism that dominates our culture now where you have oppressors and oppressed and oppressors and it usually it, it, it's some, uh, it, it's some um, uh, I guess it's white people now and oppressed and oppressors can do no right and uh, oppressed can do no, oppressors can do no right, uh, oppressors can do no wrong. Uh, that just creates a perpetual conflict Notice the conflict between the one who came to reconcile men to God and to each other. That lie does not bring peace, but only conflict. The gospel reconciles men. I I use this often. If you stop and look at the disciples, it's absolutely remarkable when you think about it. You had Matthew, the tax gatherer. And you had Simon the Zealot. Now, those two political opposites. One was a servant of Rome, the IRS agent. And the other one was one who was ready to go fight the Romans and throw them out and kill all the tax gatherers. And what happened to them? Both of them gave up their agendas and submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ. I dare say if you go through this congregation today, you're going to find people of all kinds of backgrounds together. And here we are, worshiping together, serving the Lord in gladness, united, because we no longer have our agendas, but we have received the love of the truth. You see, what happens if we don't do that? God sends deluding influences. Again, we, we read these things. For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so they might believe what is false in order that they all may be judged who did not believe the truth but took pleasure in wickedness. You see the danger there? It starts with not receiving the love of the truth. And then God says, okay, you hate the truth. I'll give you over to believe the lie. 
I'll let you do exactly what you want to do. And it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse until the judgment of God falls upon a population that will not receive the love of the truth. God leaves us to our sinful inclinations. Romans 1.28 says, and just as, they did not do, and just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. And so, God sent the lying spirit to Ahab in the prophets. God said, you want to believe the lie? And isn't it interesting as you read that story of Ahab? Micaiah comes up and, and says, oh yeah, go. And of course, it was ironic. He said, oh yeah, go ahead. You'll do fine out there. And Ahab says, hey, how many times have I told you not to lie to me? And so he tells him the truth. And Ahab doesn't believe it. He chooses to believe the multitude of the prophets. He gave them over to their sinful inclinations. Men will not believe the truth of God revealed. So look, I've often, uh, it, is, it is heartbreaking to me to, uh, to see the, um, and it's been going on for years, but it, it's heartbreaking to me to see the zeal with which those who hate the image of God celebrate and promote the death of the unborn and abortion. I, I mean, I, in, in one sense, I can understand, I can understand something of it. I understand the pressures that are, but I cannot, I, I, for the life of me, I cannot I can see you being grieved at it, but I can't imagine bragging about it. I, I saw a, 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 a protest of, uh, and by the way, it didn't end abortion. It simply returned, uh, it returned to the states where it belonged all along. Uh, but uh, I saw a woman out there who was uh, saying, I'm so proud of my seven abortions. I, I can see somebody saying, yeah, I was... It was hard, and it grieves me, but to brag? And what is that? I want you to understand something here. That's not just a hatred of children. Since men cannot tear down God from his throne, they go after his image. They hate the image of God. They can't get at him, so they go after those who are created in his image. And I can't but think, and please, uh, and, and I, don't, I don't know, there, I don't want to be hard. I, I, I want you to know that there's forgiveness for all manner of sins. We need to always remember that. We always need to remember that. But, but, I, but I cannot help but, but think, as we think of all the, the ugliness that is in the world, I, I look at the way that uh, people adorn themselves now, and uh, and. The way, I mean, I don't, I don't understand it. I don't know why they think that it's beautiful when it's so grotesque. It's the disfiguring of the bodies that God has created. Why? Why? Because they hate the image of God, even in ourselves. And so we're left to our sinful inclinations. We won't believe the truth, and so we'll delight in wickedness. Again, Romans 1.32, although they knew, know the ordinance of God, there again, it's not ignorance, they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death. They not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. See, it's not just doing them. It's approving of it. So what do we do? Uh, I think that, uh, I don't know how far along we are, but I think that, uh, that our culture is in a death spiral. 
I think we're headed down, but again, this is the death spiral of, of those who perish. This is the death spiral of those who are yet in their sins. I hope there's no one here, but if, if you're here apart from faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I would implore you, you it's, it's not something that is neutral. You can't simply say, well, I'll just go ahead and live my life for the fullness, but I don't need Jesus. No, if you don't receive the knowledge or the love of the truth, you're in danger of being given over to believe the lie unto damnation. It's not optional. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So what do we do? How, what is the remedy? What is the early correction to avoid the death spiral? Well, it is simply embracing the truth that is the fruit of of sovereign grace. By the way, when I when I say that we will not receive the the, the love of the truth, uh, I think there are a number of things going on there. I think it is certainly the love of the revelation of God and the love of the gospel. But when we will not receive the love of the truth, there's something else here. I think the love of the truth, remembering that Jesus is the truth. And God displays his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I guess what I'm trying to say is to not receive the love of the truth is to tell Jesus who displays his love for us in the gospel, I don't want your stinking love. Get out of here. The one who created us and the one who's done us nothing but good our entire lives. Get lost. I don't want your stinking love. I'll take the love of Satan. Thank you. The love of the one who's a murderer from the beginning and has as his ultimate goal to take as many to hell with him as he possibly can. Yeah, that's the one that loves me. Just a quick illustration. Uh, my sister, uh, raised in the, the same home as I was, um, was not a believer. Uh, she, she perished in her sin. But when she began her uh, apostasy, because as a child she professed faith in Christ, even wept for my grandmother, who was not a believer, and my uncle, who was not a believer. Um, interestingly enough, in God's mercy, my grandmother was saved when she was in her late 80s, and my uncle also came to a knowledge of the truth. My sister never did, but um, she turned against my parents, and she hated my parents. And uh, in a fit of anger, she determined that she was going to go with her friends to New York City, which she ultimately did. So uh, they all piled into a van, and they left, and when they got to... Um, when they got to Arizona, my sister had become very ill. They pulled up to a hospital, dropped her off, and left her there. My parents flew there, took care of her, brought her home, nursed her back to health. Once she was back in health, she told my parents she didn't want them, that she was going to be with her friends who really loved her and cared for her. She did not receive the love of the truth. She bought into the lie that her friends loved her. That's Satan's lie. So the remedy, I, I kind of went astray there, but God's grace is manifest in his choice. When you think about the love of the truth, here is the truth. We should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification. What's the difference between you and me if you're in Christ today? God loved you before the foundation of the world and chose you for salvation. So if you say, well, I'm, I'm seeing through all these lies and I'm so bright and I'm, no, no, no. You give thanks to God that he chose you before the foundation of the world and gave you faith to believe the truth and to receive the love of the truth. If, if not, brothers and sisters, we'd still be yelling, give us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. 
But thanks be to God, he chose us before the foundation of the world. He chose us for salvation, not the condemnation of those who believe the lie. Chose you from eternity. And so God's choice of you manifests his love for sinners. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. That ought to amaze us, that we should be called the sons of God. And we don't reject that. We receive that love of the truth and rest in it. God's grace is manifest in his sovereign choice of us. It's manifest in providing the means of salvation, that is, through the Lord Jesus Christ. He sanctifies us by his spirit, that is, he sets us apart for himself and he regenerates us and gives us new hearts and new minds and a new faith, no longer putting our trust in ourselves or any other, but putting our trust in him and in his word. He saves us through the truth. That is, Jesus in his word delivers us from believing the lie. Whenever, whenever you're confronted, and, and there's so much, what's it called, gaslighting today? And I didn't know what it was. Bunny had to tell me. I guess it's from a, a movie long ago about gaslight or something like that where, where people go together to try to make you think you're crazy. They keep telling the lie and they look at you and say, you're, you know, you believe that? Come on, look at all the, you're alone out there. You be, how dumb can you be? And you start saying, oh. begin to question. Have you ever questioned? That's just Satan gaslighting you doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If God has revealed it in his word, we simply stand on it. We will not be ashamed. The one who lies will be ashamed in the last day. The one who puts his trust in Christ will never be put to shame. And so verse, verse 15 says, Stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught. Don't be blown about by every wind of doctrine. Stand firm. Lay hold of the gospel. Lay hold of Christ. Lay hold of his word. Go back to that again and again and say, this is true. I, another, another quick illustration here. And um, Many years ago, um, um, we had a situation um, where, uh, and I say, this, I say this to God's glory and, and to my shame, but uh, my wife, 35 years old, pregnant with our fifth child, diagnosed with cancer. And, um, and of course, the, the hint was, well, we can't really treat your cancer when you're pregnant. Hint, hint, hint. And that wasn't an option to us, thank God. <clears throat> and uh, so they, uh, they brought our fifth son, Jonathan, as early as they could uh, for her sake and as late as they could for his sake. And, uh, but nonetheless, they miscalculated, and Jonathan was, was born early and was put in neonatal intensive care. Lots of providences here. Um, but Bunny was supposed to come home from the hospital. Jonathan was going to have to stay in the hospital. I called Bunny up to say, what time do you want me to pick, or pick you up? She burst into tears. I can't. You can't pick me up. I'm going to have to be hospitalized. Uh, because uh, I have a pulmonary embolism. I'm glad I didn't know what a pulmonary embolism was. I do now. So I rushed over to the hospital to, to see her, and, uh, um, and, um, and as I was there, the, the nurse from the neonatal intensive care unit came down and uh, said, uh, <clears throat> Jonathan, just stop breathing. Excuse me. His heart stopped beating. We've revived him, but he's a prime candidate for sudden infant death syndrome. So I left. I left the hospital, and the Lord left me alone for a bit. I was angry with God. I got back to my office, and again, I say this to my shame and God's glory. 
I don't know whether I said it out loud, but I certainly said it in my heart. I may have said it out loud because I was fuming. And I began to say, I think this whole Christianity thing is a bunch of baloney. I was ready to leave the ministry. I was ready to leave the faith because I didn't stop there. I went on and I said, and I remember this very vividly, and God, if you do exist, I hate you. My shame. It's what happens when we don't receive the love of the truth. Funny thing was, I would not pray. I was angry. I would not pray. And yet God would not let me go. I had to read the scripture. Isn't that funny? I had to read the scripture. I had to go and do what I did every morning to read the scripture. And I opened my Bible to my reading that day. The 118th Psalm. The Lord is good, and his mercy is everlasting. And God crushed me. That's true. I was ready to abandon it. The Lord would not leave me to abandon the love of the truth. And I remember crying out to the Lord. I was able to pray then. I said, Lord... Whether Bunny lives or dies, this is true. You are good. Your mercy is everlasting. Whether Jonathan lives or dies, you are good. Your mercy is everlasting. Bunny's here. So is Jonathan. But even if they weren't, it doesn't alter the truth of God's love his people. And you see, there's going to be all kinds of things in your life that are going to try to, to turn you away. And you don't want to enter that death spiral to believe the lie. Satan is there whispering, even as he did to Job, how can you believe in a God who would do this? Very easily. Because God has revealed his love to us in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I say easily. <laughs> Sometimes it's easier said than done, isn't it? But you see, that's what he says. What's the remedy? We flee back to the Lord. And when we do, God's grace produces gratitude in us, not grudging obligations. We're saved from the death spiral, restored to the truth. Just one or two things to, to say. You in this congregation have been the recipients of truth. The Lord has provided you with shepherds through the years. I'm so thankful for your pastor, Richard Steele, and Jerry, as I've said, I've known for years. I know that you have had the gospel preached to you day in, day out. What have you done with it? Have you received the love of the truth with gratitude have you been hostile, indifferent, preferring the lies that you shall be as gods? Or do you love the truth even when it crosses you? I trust everyone here is in the latter category, but I bring that home to you. Have you received the love, the truth? but recognize the spiritual reality of the deception that permeates the world today. It's not mere psychological manipulation, though there certainly is that. You need to understand that what is happening in our land is that God is judging our land with unbelief. He's given us over to believe the lie. We want Barabbas rather than Jesus. It's not just psychological manipulation. It is that but we wouldn't believe it if we were grounded in the truth, if we received the knowledge of the truth.
And so the only remedy is God's sovereign blessing on the preaching of the gospel. And so I urge you, if you see these things in the world, don't think that uh, we can simply uh, um, cite more facts and data. Facts and data don't mean anything anymore. Uh, Do you understand that? But we have warrant to pray because God changes us and gives us a love of the truth. So what is our hope? It is not in us, it is in our sovereign God who took a world that was steeped in superstition and idolatry and turned it upside down by the power of the gospel. So you pray, you pray. Because as the Apostle Paul says in 2 Timothy 3, 8, and 9, just as Jannes and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men of depraved mind rejected in regard to the faith, but they will not make further progress, for their folly will be obvious to all, just as Jannes and Jambres follow was, just as Jannes and Jambres, <laughs> Jannes and Jambres folly was also. Remember, they were the magicians in Egypt. God will expose the lies. You stand fast. You pray that God would bless the preaching of the word here in every place. We have warrant to preach. The gospel, the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those from opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. Yes, men are hardened in their unbelief, but God's word is a is a hammer that breaks the rock and replaces the heart of stone with the heart of flesh. That's our hope. It's not in us. We pray that God would bless the preaching of his word. And we have warrant to believe that God will do just as he says, that he will convert the nations. All nations shall worship you, O Lord. We look for that day. By the power of God and his grace, do not forsake the knowledge and the love of the truth. Break out of that death spiral and look to the Lord to be gracious to us. Let's pray together. Father, we do call upon you and we recognize that we are in difficult times. All about us is, uh, is all kinds of mayhem and unbelief and the fruit thereof. And yet, Lord, we cry out to you, for this is not the first time that this has happened. We recognize that in the history of your old covenant people, it happened again and and again. And so we cry out to you, Father, that you would revive your work in the midst of years. That in the midst of years, you would make it known before the nations, before our eyes. May we see your steadfast love and may we enjoy your salvation. In your wrath, we pray that you would remember mercy. So give us again and renew even this day our love of the truth, the Lord Jesus, and everything that he has taught us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.